0: We're actually on week two this morning of a three-week series called Spent, and uh, the idea behind this series is to talk a little bit about finances. And the reason we want to talk about finances is because if you to read through the Bible, and in particular uh, through the Gospels, that's the stories written by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the accounts of Jesus' life, uh, you'll see that Jesus himself actually spoke a lot about this subject. He spoke about money and he spoke about material things. He spoke about treasures and riches on earth and treasure in heaven and all sorts of different things. But he obviously realized this was a very important subject to teach upon. And I think the reason he wants to speak so much about it and the reason we're talking about it also here at Connect is because he knew that it's such a big part of our lives. And the reality is, while it's fun to spend money that some of us can find ourselves in places where, uh, because of money, because of finances, because of bills, we actually find ourselves instead feeling spent. And that was never God's plan for your life. He didn't want you to feel spent. He wants you to experience his blessing and, and his provision in your life. Now, it turns out that this series actually couldn't have come at a better time. It's the the perfect time to be talking about this, because you may have seen earlier this week in the news that the uh, the most expensive home ever to be sold in America went on the market. Uh, It's a a, a house in Los Angeles. It's $250 million. And now that we're speaking on this subject, some of you can buy this house. You're like, okay, what's it going to take to get me in that house? little budgeting, put a little away, and maybe I'll find myself in this mansion in Bel Air. Yes, you could be a neighbor of the Fresh Prince. That's where it is. It sits there in the hills of Bel Air overlooking Los Angeles. It's 38,000 square feet, so it's comparable property in size to most of your homes, um, and it comes with a 280-degree view of Los Angeles. Sounds wonderful, doesn't it? Um, Now, this particular home, has 12 bedrooms, uh, 21 bathrooms. Um, Obviously, it has a 40-seat theater because you wouldn't want any less than 40 seats in your theater, in your house. Uh, And it comes with seven staffers. Seven staff members come with this house. That's four more than I've got at my house. I've got Ben, Will, and Emma. That's all we've got. Here, you get seven. Fantastic. It has an 85-foot infinity pool with a swim-up bar and this massive, big, flat-screen TV that comes up out of the ground so while swimming, you could watch a movie like Jaws or something like that, just as you're yeah, swimming around in the water there. It has, um, let me see what else it has. It has a bowling alley. Fantastic. Uh, on the roof is the helicopter from Airwolf. It doesn't actually fly, but it is the helicopter from Airwolf. That comes with it. So already it's starting to sound more of a better deal, right? With everything that you're getting included in your 250 million. Now, when it comes to garages, and obviously you all know the garage is where you put your car. Um, When it comes to garages, this has a pretty impressive one, because not only does it fit dozens of vehicles, it actually comes with $30 million worth of cars. When you buy this house, when you sign the contract, you automatically are the owner of Ferraris, Bentleys, Lamborghinis, and a baby Formula One racing car. So now you're thinking, well, this is a pretty good deal. I'm going to look this up. Maybe this is a house I'd like to find myself in. But I know there's some of you here and you're thinking, I don't know, Dave. Sounds a bit excessive to me. Sounds a bit excessive, but that's because you haven't heard about the best part yet. They have in this house a $200,000 candy wall. $200,000 for the candy wall. We have a similar thing in our house. It's a basket in the pantry. It's got some M&Ms from last Halloween. We don't have a $200,000 candy wall. I mean, it's kind of ridiculous when you look at it, but someone is going to buy this house. The guy who built this house knew that there was someone out there that had that kind of money that he could buy this house. But here's the problem with a house like this. Maybe not for us, but there are some who live out in that area who maybe have more money than you and I will ever see in our lifetimes who are looking thinking, well, I liked my house till I saw that house. In fact, we came across a phrase last Sunday, didn't we? When we started this series off, we said, I am satisfied with what I have until you have something I don't have. That can be a problem, can't it, in our lives? I'm satisfied with what I have until you have something that I don't have. And that can kind of get us in trouble sometimes, can't it, financially? In fact, the guy that built this house in Bel Air, last year he, bought a, he built a 70 million house for a man by the name of Marcus Persson, or Pearson. You may have heard of him. He's the Swedish billionaire who designed the game Minecraft. Yes, he is a billionaire because he designed a computer game called Minecraft. There are no real mines in this game. It's a computer game, okay? And there are people who own real mines with gold and silver who have less money than this guy who designed Minecraft. And yet, I have to wonder if Marcus Pearson is sitting in his $70 million house looking up the street thinking, wow well, I thought I liked this until I saw that one. Now I kind of want to go and check that house out. Because we do that, don't we? we? We spend some money, we buy something, we're happy with it until we see something, and then we want that as well. Now, whether it's a house or cars or clothes or vacations, if we're not careful, that kind of thinking, it can get us caught into a trap, can't it? That kind of thinking, if we're not disciplined, if we're not careful, we can find ourselves in a trap. And here's the trap that I'm talking about. You may remember this commercial, check this out. I'm Stanley Johnson. I've got a great family. I've got a four bedroom house and a great community. Like my car? It's new. I even belong to the local golf club. (laughs) How do I do it? I'm in debt up to my eyeballs. I can barely pay my finance charges. Somebody help me. Need a smart way to consolidate your debt? At LennyTree.com, banks compete and you choose the loan that's right for you. I wonder how many Stanley Johnsons we've got living or here in the room this morning, living the American dream with that smile on their face. Somebody help me. (laughs) Because it's truth, isn't it? That if we're not careful, if we, if we strive after things that we can't really afford, but we feel we have to have, then, then before we know it, we get caught in this, this cycle of debt. And it doesn't help that it's so common here in the country in which we live. In fact, as a country, we're struggling with debt. We're spending more than we've got. So we're surrounded by it, but listen to what the Bible has to say about this. A man by the name of Solomon, he lived um, a long time ago, and he's been known to be one of the wisest men that ever lived, and also one of the wealthiest men that ever lived. He says this in Proverbs 22, verse 7, The borrower is servant to the lender. The borrower is servant to the lender. Some translations have that, that the borrower is slave to the lender. And I wonder if there are some here this morning that because of debt in your life right now, that's how you feel. You would say, I, I, I relate to that. I feel like a slave. I feel like a servant in this situation. Because some people get so far into debt that it literally takes away any sense of freedom in their lives. It enslaves them. And I want to talk about that this morning, especially if you're here this morning and you're a follower of Jesus. Because I believe that God created us to live a life as followers of Jesus that we can be free to live and free to give. I think he wants us to experience in our lives the freedom to live our lives, the freedom to give and to to build his kingdom. But many of us, we're not free, are we? We're we're servants. We're slaves to the lender. Now, let me just be clear here for um, uh, the sake of my friend Brad, who's a bank manager here in town. I'm not saying that I believe loans or borrowing is wrong. In fact, Jesus even talked about it in Matthew chapter 5 in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus gives some instructions on on how, as followers of Jesus, we should loan money or we should pay back money that's been loaned to us. So so he didn't say that loans were wrong in and of themselves. In fact, the truth is this morning that if it wasn't for loans, if it wasn't for the idea of debt, then many of us wouldn't be in houses today with mortgage payments. Some of us would be on year 10 of our plan of working our way through college. But the reality is that because of bank loans and mortgages and, and college loans, we've been able to do some things that we may never have been able to do otherwise. But when I talk about debt this morning, I'm not talking about um, that kind of debt. I'm talking about um, the debt that plagues so many of us, so many Americans across the country. And that's credit card debt. I found this um, research online in March of 2016. Um, Just in your head, have a think about how much money you think is sitting in credit card um, debt right now across the United States. I guarantee whatever number you're thinking right now, this will be bigger, $762 billion. $762 billion. Now, just to put this into context, when I read this article, this is the money that's sitting in what's called revolving debt. This is money that hasn't been paid off. So if you're one of those people that uses a credit card and you, you diligently pay your balance every month, you're not included in this number. This is just the people that are carrying payments from one month to the next. Broken down, this means that the average balance for a uh, balance carrying household is $16,000 sitting on credit card bills. And on top of that, this is what finance experts and and people in the finance industry, they call this non-appreciating debt. So your house that you owe money on, that's appreciating debt, because as you're paying that loan back, your home, hopefully, is is growing in value. But these numbers, this is non-appreciating debt. This was consumer products, clothes, eating out, whatever it may be, stuff that's lost its value, but you're still paying for it. And when we sit down and we start to look at the interest rates and the length of time it would take to pay this all off and the minimum payments, and we can very quickly start to feel spent, can't we? And God didn't want us to live that way. So I want to kind of look at the idea of, of what it would look like to be set free this morning. In fact, that's the title of my message this morning, set free. Set free from this cycle, this trap that maybe some of us find ourselves in. But I'll say this, I'm, I'm not a financial expert. In fact, I, I would encourage you, maybe sign up for that financial peace class. Dave Ramsey, this is what he does for a living. He helps people get out of debt. He helps people figure out their finances. And I don't want to do that this morning because there are much smarter people at being been able to do that. But what I do want to do this morning as a pastor is say, well, well, how do we get here in the first place? What is it about me? What is it about us and our, our human nature and our sinful nature maybe that, that gets us to this place? Because if I could recognize that, and if I could change some behaviors in my life, maybe at least I could change from this point moving forwards. I may still need to change some, some things from the past, but from this point forwards, I can put some new patterns into place. So when it comes to having that freedom to live and that freedom to give, I think there are two key things that we need to do. Two very important things we have to do. The first is to try and eliminate that debt. Eliminate the debt. Like I said, I don't want to tell you um, exactly the best way to do that. That's what these classes are for. But we are going to look here real quickly at how did I get there in the first place? If you're here this morning, if you're one of those statistics with that kind of credit card debt that's built up, how did I get here? Well, I think the first thing that, we, uh, that trips us up, the first thing that gets us in trouble is that we tend to overestimate the importance of stuff. We overestimate the importance of stuff. You know, the stuff we have to have, the stuff we think that will make us happy. The actress Bo Derek uh, once said, whoever said that money can't buy happiness doesn't know where to shop. And that's a cute saying, but listen to this saying from a man by the name of Solomon. In Proverbs chapter 22, he says, Choose a good reputation over great riches. Being held in high esteem is better than silver or gold. Jesus himself, in Matthew 6, 19, talks about the idea of finances. He says this, Don't store up treasures here on earth. Moths will eat them, rust will destroy them, and thieves will break in and steal. Now, Jesus isn't saying here that stuff is wrong. We need stuff. We need clothes. We need furniture. We need appliances. We need a car. I mean, this is all stuff that we need in our lives. Jesus is challenging the amount of importance that we put upon this stuff That moths and rust will destroy. You know, a little over three years ago, a tornado came through Washington, and um, many of you were impacted by that, either personally or friends or neighbors, and maybe lost homes or lost stuff. And as a church, we were able to work with a lot of families. And, And one thing I heard time and time again. In fact, Case and I, we'd had a fire in our house many years ago, and, and we related to this as well. And it was this idea of when people were going through with the insurance company, trying to list everything that they'd lost, it's that realization, wow, we had a lot of stuff, didn't we? I remember Case and I going through, and we had to throw a lot of stuff away because it had been damaged by the fire, and we were like, why, why do we even have this? And we kind of made this resolution, man, when we clear all this stuff out, let's try and simplify. Let's not try and, but you know, it's it's amazing how quickly all that stuff starts to build up again, doesn't it? How you start to accumulate all that stuff. The challenge is we're not to put or overestimate the importance of that stuff. Because if we do, it can lead us into that debt cycle. Here's the second mistake that can lead us into debt. It's that need for instant gratification. Gotta have it. That'll make me happy. That'll, That'll fill the gap. That need for that instant gratification. Jesus said this in Luke 12, 15. He said, Beware, guard against every kind of greed, because life is not measured by how much you own. Wow, that's a great phrase, isn't it? Life is not measured by how much you own. So we we look at these things that we could buy and we say, okay, I could save my money. I could wait till I could afford it to buy it or I could have it now. Swipe, swipe. Now, I, I may not be able to afford it, but man, I need it right now. You know, My family and uh, my kids get on with me about this, but we have this kind of policy that anytime we see something in this dog, we very rarely buy it in the moment, especially if it's something that we hadn't thought we needed until we saw it, and then suddenly we need it. So we're out, and it's like, Dad, look at this. I've got to get it. And I'm like, well, we're not going to buy it right away, but Dad, come on. I was like, no, we're going to go home. We're going to check your savings. We're going to check your, your allowance. We're going to um, see if you've got the money. We're going to do some research online, see if this is even a good thing or not. Maybe the reviews are bad, you know. And, and if it all checks out, we'll give it a day or two. Then we might go back and buy it. My kids like, oh, what if it sells out? What if well, I've got over it won't go over now? It's just a, they just hate it. And for the most part, it's a great principle to have. Because very often there's been things that after a kind of a cooling off period, we've realized, you know what, we didn't really need that. I'm glad we didn't buy that. Or we found out that actually it got some pretty bad reviews. Or, or we found out it was a great deal and we've gone back and bought it. But just recently we were in England over Christmas and there was a soccer ball and Ben's like, Dad, I've got to get this ball. It's a great deal. I was like, you know the rule, Ben. I said, you haven't got any money right now, but you might be getting some money tomorrow because we're doing Christmas with Grandma and Grandpa and maybe you'll get some money. And, and he did. So we went back the next day with that money, no soccer ball. It had gone, see, Dad, your system doesn't work. (laughs) Fortunately, before we left England, we found another store where we were able to buy it. But I tell you, I'd rather have that problem than keep buying these things impulsively, that instant gratification, and then live with the remorse and the regret when we realize, man, we probably shouldn't have spent that money. Or we didn't really, we couldn't really afford that. We probably shouldn't have done that. But the difficult thing is, we're trapped, aren't we? We're kind of caught up in this. But if I get it, it'll make me happy. It'll complete. It'll fill that void. Jim Kerry, the famous actor, uh, I came across this quote this, this week from him. He said, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dream of so they can see that it's not the answer. And he has the wealth and experience to be able to say that because he is rich and he is famous and he probably has had everything he can ever dream of and he's realized, you know what? There's more to life than this. But many of us get caught in the trap that if we can just get there, that will. And he says, man, it'd be great if people get there and realize that's not what it is. The final mistake I think we made that um, sometimes causes us to find ourselves in debt is this idea of just the lack of planning for the unexpected, The lack of planning for the unexpected. The truth is, the reality is that sometimes life surprises us, doesn't it? Things happen that we we hadn't planned for. The car breaks down. Medical emergencies come along. The refrigerator that had been making that really weird noise for a long time, we just kept hoping it would hang in there, suddenly gave up. Man, we've got to buy a new refrigerator. We can't afford a new refrigerator. We better finance it. We better put it on the credit card. We better put it on the store card. And because of these things, because of life happening, we find ourselves back in debt. Now, I know we can't possibly prepare for every circumstance that life sends our way. But if we put some planning in place, we can help to avoid having to go into debt every time that life happens. Solomon talks about this very principle. In Proverbs 6, verse 6, he says this. He says, Take a lesson from the ants. You lazy bones. That's a great verse there, isn't it? Learn from their ways and become wise. Though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work, no one's forced them to do this. They labor hard all summer, gathering food for the winter. Solomon's like, you see the ants? They're working hard all summer to store food for the winter. That's a great principle. To plan ahead, to store some for, for, for what the future may bring. In fact, it's that kind of planning that Solomon's talking about here that leads us into our our second way of being set free. The first way of being set free is to eliminate debts. The second way this morning to be set free is to plan to save. It really is this simple. I know this is kind of a practical message, but Jesus talks about this a lot. And I think he talks about it a lot because he wants us to experience that freedom to live and that freedom to give. So it's this simple. It's eliminating debt and planning to save. I don't know if you remember at school learning similes. Any of you remember learning similes? Some of you are like, I, I think I remember that word. I can't remember what it is. But uh, a simile, okay, was something that your English teacher would have taught you. It would be something you put into a sentence to kind of make it a little bit more colorful, a little bit more descriptive. Uh, normally, it would use the word like or as, and it just kind of enhances the meaning of the phrase that you're using. So an example of a simile would be, they fought like cats and dogs, or he was as blind as a bat. Or my love is like a red, red rose. It just takes the the sentiment and it enhances it. So I came across this article recently, and um, it said that these similes were um, submitted by English teachers around the country, some of their favorite similes that students had used. But I did a little bit more research, and it turns out um, that these students weren't that creative. This was from a Washington Post um, humor contest. They had this contest for people to submit their best similes, and the top 25 were selected. I'd love to read all 25 because I think they're brilliant, but I just picked a few this morning. So here were the the winning similes in this humor contest. The first one, her hair glistened in the rain like a nose hair after a sneeze. (laughs) Nice. The little boat gently drifted across the pond, exactly the way a bowling ball wouldn't. (laughs) John and Mary had never met. They were like two hummingbirds who had also never met. (laughs) He was as tall as a six-foot, three-inch tree. (laughs) And then this one's my favorite. Her vocabulary was as bad as, like, whatever. (laughs) You know, these are humorous, but I wonder this morning if I had to walk around and say, hey, listen, why don't we try and come up with a simile for our financial plan in life? I wonder if we can come up with a a, a simile for our, our savings strategy. And I wonder if we kind of walked around here and asked what our savings plan was. I wonder if when it comes to similes, it would read something like this. I save like there is no tomorrow. (laughs) I save like there is no tomorrow. (laughs) Now, I'm not a financial expert, but I'm pretty sure if you went to your bank manager or any kind of financial planner, they would say, that's not a great plan. (laughs) When it comes to financial strategy and planning, I save like there is no tomorrow. It's not good. But how many of us, that's our plan. (laughs) That's kind of how we live, isn't it? Listen again to what Solomon had to say about this in Proverbs twenty-one twenty: The wise man saves for the future, but the foolish man spends whatever he gets. The wise man saves for the future, but the foolish man spends whatever he gets. I don't know about you, but when I read a little verse like that, being written by one of the wise people that ever lives, I want to be like the wise man. There's two options here. And I'd, I'd kind of like people to think, oh yeah, Dave Jane, wise man. Not fool, but to live like the wise man, it takes discipline, doesn't it? We can really want to do it up here. We can really say, that's a great plan, but actually putting it into practice and living that out day and day, that's a little bit harder. Because sometimes it means breaking some some habits. Sometimes it means changing our lifestyle a little bit. Sometimes it means getting a little bit more disciplined and organized. And it's not easy, but I want to be like the wise man. I don't want to be like the foolish man. So Casey and I, we've worked really hard at this in our marriage and in our family over our years since being married. We've really tried to stretch ourselves. And what we do is we actually follow a a plan that um, I think Dave Ramsey talks about this, other financial people talk about it. It's called the 10-10-80 plan. The 10, 10, 80 plan. So that's what we try to do in the Jane household. So I'll explain to you what the 10, 10, 80 plan is. So I've got 10 one-dollar bills here. Okay, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, 10 one-dollar bills. Okay, now these could be one-dollar bills or five-dollar bills or ten dollars or twenty or fifty. I don't very often have fifty-dollar bills in my pocket, so I'll use ones for now. But here's here's the plan that we try to live in our life. So for every 10 that we get. That could be 10, 100, 500. Every every 10 that we get, our goal is that we we give 10 to the church. The Bible has this this phrase, it's called tithing, and and we happen to believe that that's what the Bible teaches about giving. So so we've just decided as a family that's going to be our gift to the church is that tithing, that 10%. In fact, actually, um, God's kind of been stretching us a little bit on that in the last few years because I was very legalistic in that. I was like to the penny and, and, you know, God really started to challenge my generosity and I'm trying to stretch that now a little bit. You know, it's just to even go over and above that. So I'm not just so legalistic there, but, but that's what we do. So the first 10, uh, we give to the church. The second 10, we put in savings. So 10% to the church, 10% savings, and then we try and live off the 80%. We try and live off the other eight. Now, it's difficult to do that sometimes because things happen, and, but we just want to discipline ourselves to be able to live on the 80 and not the 100. Now, I know many of you strive to do that as well. Some of you have made that same commitment to give to the church, and we are so grateful. We honestly couldn't do what we do without you. And whatever amount you choose to give, we are truly, truly grateful here at Connect Church. It makes a huge difference in the lives of many people in this community and around the world. So thank you so much for your gifts. Funny story, I had a um, person contact me just, not this week, but the week before. They said, um, they reached out and said, Dave, we've got a bit of a problem. Um, We've been coming to Connect for a while now, and uh, we really are enjoying it. We feel like this is the church that we want to make our church home um, we want to get connected. And one of the things we've just been talking about, my husband and I just recently, is that we want to give to the church. So she told me she'd gone onto the app. If you haven't downloaded it yet, you can download the Connect Church app, and that allows you to be able to, to give online. That way you can set it up to, to make a payment through your phone, or you can actually have it set into it takes the money out automatically on a, on a regular basis. And she said, we did that. We decided we're going to give a certain amount every month to the church. So I set it all up, and I put the amount in, and I put the frequency We're feeling really good about it, she said. And then three or four days went by, and I checked my bank, and I thought, that's weird. That balance looks a lot lower than I was expecting it to. And she thought, I wonder why that is. And she looked, and she realized that instead of selecting monthly for the year, she selected daily. (laughs) Yeah. Now, obviously, I can't tell you who this family is, but they're quite easy to spot. They're the ones who are allowed to valet park. They can sit wherever they want. We have special leather recliners for them. They get whatever donuts they want, because if they're giving that much every day, you can sit wherever you want. <laughs> she called me. She says, is there a way you can change this? I said, yeah, we can, we can undo that. So we put her in touch with their finance people, and they got it reversed, and the money given back. But I just want to thank all of you who have kind of made that same commitment to say, yeah, I, I, I want some of my money to go to be given away. Some choose to give it to the church, others give in other areas. But I want to credit you and commend you for those who have chosen to give. But, but maybe the stretch for you this morning is that second 10. Are you also able to be, to be um, disciplined and maybe set another portion away? And maybe it's too, this is too big of a number right now, but just a little bit. I want to find some margin in my life somewhere. Maybe it's not eating out for lunch every day when I go to work. Maybe one day I'll take a sack lunch. Maybe I don't need to, to stop for a coffee every single day. Maybe that can be like a more of a treat. And, and those, those few pennies, those few dollars, maybe $5, $10 a week, it just starts to mount up. And that money you just start to set aside. That's how savings begins. In fact, if you look on websites or online articles or magazines, it's, it's actually very simple. When it comes to savings, I was doing some research this week, it could really be boiled down to these four things. Start simple, have a plan, make a budget, start today. Start simple, maybe it's a dollar here or a dollar there. Have a plan, sit down and say, okay, I'm going to set this money aside, I'm going to put it in this bank account, I'm going to budget my checkbook or my QuickBooks this way, make a budget, and start today. There's no better time to start. It's the new year. It's time for resolutions. That's why we're talking about this in January. Because I know that some of you have set some some physical resolutions, some spiritual. Maybe there's a financial resolution of saying, I want this area of my life. I don't want to feel spent all the time. I want to get control of this. I want to be free to live and free to give. And in order to do that, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to eliminate the debt, and to plan to save. Let me tell you one of the benefits of sticking to this plan. So earlier this week, um, I'd, had, I'd been contacted from some friends of Casey and I's from a previous church that we'd been at. We're still friends, and they stay in touch on Facebook and online. And they said, hey, we'd love to get together with you and, and grab coffee. Just catch up, see how everything's going. I said, that'd be awesome. So, so just this week, we met for coffee, me and this couple, And we chatted for ages, I found out about their Christmas, and they traveled a bit over Christmas with family, and we were catching up on work, and they were asking all about the church, they'd been following online all about the Connect Center, they were really excited to hear about the Connect Center, and I'll be honest with you, I'm always excited to talk about it. I was telling them about my dreams of how I think this is going to be a wonderful building that God's going to use to impact our community, that there's going to be things that will enhance our life at church, but also there'll be activities going on through the week where people in the community will use the Connect Center and there'll be a way of reaching people who are outside of the church and maybe that'll draw them um, into a relationship with Jesus, draw them to Connect Church or connect them with people who are members of Connect. And I'm sharing this and I'm super excited and after about half an hour of talking, there was kind of a lull in the conversation, and he turns around and he goes, Shall I do it now? Shall I? She's like, Yeah, yeah, do it now. I'm like, Uh oh. What's happening now? So he starts to reach into his pocket. He says, So we were talking over New Year, and actually, we were coming back from being with family, and it was a long drive back from Texas, so we were just chatting with one another, and uh, we were talking about what's going on at Connect, and we were thrilled to hear about this Connect Center. And, and my wife actually said to me, You know, I feel like God's prompted me that we need to give a gift to Connect Church. In fact, I think we need to give a gift. Um, meet with Dave, give him this gift to, to put towards the Connect Center. And they're telling me this across the coffee table. He's got this check in his hand. He goes, so, so this is from us. We want you to use it for the Connect Center. I was like, guys, thank you so much. So I opened up this check, and it was $1,000. They were given $1,000 to put towards the Connect Center. I'm like, guys, this is amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah. I was like, honestly, we are so going to be able to use this. And, and I'm, I'm thrilled. I want you to come and see the building, know that you played a part in this. And, but this was the best part of the conversation. He said to me, you know, I've got to be honest. When, when my wife told me that she felt prompted to give, I was like, yeah, I'm up for that. And, and then when she said how much, I'm like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> he said, are you sure? And he said, fortunately, he said, she's really wise and she's disciplined. And she kind of knows where we're at with our finances. And, and I trust her. She knows we can afford to do that. I, I know that we can. And what I realized in that moment is this is a family who have structured their finances in such a way that they've allowed this opportunity that when God prompts them, they are free to give. Free to live and free to give. I actually believe that there's many of you on a regular basis who feel those promptings from God. Feel prompted to to maybe give to something we're doing here at Connect. Or maybe you know of a friend or a neighbor in need and you think, I just want to help them out. I want to pay to get their car fixed. I want to buy them some groceries. Or you hear about something that's going on in another country or here in the community, and you're like, I want, to, I want to help with that. I don't think any of us have a problem experiencing those promptings to give. I think God's put that in us, and I think we enjoy responding. But I wonder if there are some of us who, when that prompting comes, we kind of look at the app. We go online and look at our bank balance, and we're like, "Ah, oh, it's going to be tough to do that now. Yeah, this bill's coming up, and And because of our financial situation, the promptings are there, but the ability to respond isn't. I want you to be in a place as a follower of Jesus where you are free to live and free to give. And it's going to take some discipline. Eliminating debt, planning to save, that that takes discipline, but it could bring you to a place of freedom. It could really set you free, bring you to a place where you no longer feel spent, but you're living in freedom, It's resolving some of the tension and the conflict in your relationship because of all that um, uh, arguments and, and stress sometimes that finances can bring. But it also puts you in a place when God prompts you, you're free to give. And here's why people give. We talked about it earlier, didn't we, with the moths and the rust. Listen to how that verse continues on when Jesus is talking in Matthew 6. He said, didn't he? Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Because wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your hearts will also be. You know, when this couple slid this check across the table, this donation to the Connect Center, they were investing in a place where moths and rust will not destroy and thieves will never steal. They were putting their treasure towards changing lives in the kingdom of God for years to come. That's why we give. That's why we want to respond to those promptings to give because we don't want to build up a kingdom here on earth. I mean, we need stuff. We need stuff to live, and that's fine, but I don't want to build up all these treasures in a place where moth and rust will destroy and thieves may steal. I want to build up those treasures in a place where it'll never be taken away. So why not join me this morning in making a commitment in 2017 to eliminate debt, to plan to save, to find yourself free to live, free to give, and no longer feeling spent. Let's pray. Father, this is a, um, a subject that's close to many of our hearts, Lord, because the reality is it's such a big part of our lives. We're bombarded daily with advertisements and um, things we see just out and about, you know, stuff, stuff that we need, stuff that we should have. And if we're not careful, Lord, we can fall into that trap of not being satisfied. I was satisfied with what I had until I saw what you had, and then I wanted that. Help us, Lord, not to fall into that kind of consumerism mentality. And Lord, maybe there are some here this morning that this needs to be their New Year's resolution. We need to get this right. We need to eliminate that debt. It's time to eliminate that debt. It's time to sit down and have a plan in place for savings. Maybe it's just five bucks a week, but we need something to get us disciplined and to put a little something away for those those moments that we didn't plan for. I want to be like the wise man that Solomon talks about, not like the fool. So help us, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, that you don't expect us to do this in our own strength, that you want to walk right alongside us and help us in this, that we can lean into you and say, Jesus, would you help me get control over this area of my life? Jesus, you spoke about this a lot, so I know you want to help me in this. Would you help me get control of this area of my life? Help us in this, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.